chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Of Catina Aurea, Gospel of St. Luke, Part 1, by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verses 12 through 16. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Gloss, when adversaries rose up against the miracles and teachings of Christ, he chose apostles as defenders and witnesses of the truth, and prefaces their election with prayer, as it is said, and it came to pass, etc. Ambrose, let not thy ears be opened to deceit, that thou shouldest think that the Son of God prays from want of strength, that he may obtain what he could not perform. For being himself the author of power, the master of obedience, he leads us by his own example to the precepts of virtue. Cyril, let us examine then in the actions which Jesus did, how he teaches us to be instant in prayer to God, going apart by ourselves and in secret, no one seeing us, putting aside our worldly cares, that the mind may be raised up to the height of divine contemplation. And this we have marked in the fact that Jesus went into a mountain apart to pray. Ambrose, everywhere also he prays alone, for human wishes comprehend not the wisdom of God, and no one can be a partaker of the secrets of Christ. But not every one who prays ascends a mountain. He only who prays, advancing from earthly things to higher, who is not anxious for the riches or honors of the world. All whose minds are raised above the world ascend the mountain. In the gospel, therefore, you will find that the disciples alone ascend the mountain with the Lord. But thou, O Christian, hast now the character given, the form prescribed which thou shouldest imitate. As it follows, and he continued all night in prayer to God. For what oughtest thou to do for thy salvation, when Christ continues all night in prayer for thee? Chrysostom, rise then thou also at night time. The soul is then pure. The very darkness and great silence are in themselves enough to lead us to sorrow for our sins. But if thou lookest upon the heaven itself, studded with stars, with innumerable eyes, if thou thinkest that they who wanton and do unjustly in daytime are then nothing different from the dead, thou wilt loathe all human undertakings. All these things serve to raise the mind. Vainglory then disquiets not. No tumult of passion has the mastery. Fire does not so destroy the rust of iron as nightly prayer, the blight of sin. He whom the heat of the sun has fervored by day is refreshed by the dew. Nightly tears are better than any dew and are proof against desire and fear. But if a man is not cherished by the dew we speak of, he withers in the day. Wherefore, although thou prayest not much at night, pray once with watching, and it is enough. Show that the night belongs not only to the body, but to the soul. 
Ambrose, but what does it become thee to do when thou wouldest commence any work of piety, when Christ, about to send out his disciples, first prayed? For it follows, and when it was day, he called his disciples, etc., whom truly he destined to be the means of spreading the salvation of man through the world. Turn thy eyes also to the heavenly council, not the wise men, not the rich, not the noble, but he chose to send out fishermen and publicans, that they might not seem to turn men to their grace by riches or by the influence of power and rank, and that the force of truth, not the graces of oratory, might prevail. Cyril, but mark the great carefulness of the evangelist. He not only says that the holy apostles were chosen, but he enumerates them by name, that no one should dare to insert any others in the catalogue. Simon, whom he also called Peter, and Andrew his brother. Bede, he not only surnamed Peter first, but long before this, when he was brought by Andrew, it is said, Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. But Luke, wishing to mention the names of the disciples, since it was necessary to call him Peter, wished shortly to imply that this was not his name before, but the Lord had given it to him. Eusebius. The two next are James and John, as it follows, James and John, both indeed sons of Zebedee who were also fishermen. After them, he mentions Philip and Bartholomew. John says Philip was of Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Bartholomew was a simple man, devoid of all worldly knowledge and guilt. But Matthew was called from those who used to collect taxes, concerning whom he adds, Matthew and Thomas. Bede. Matthew places himself after his fellow disciple Thomas, from humility, whereas by the other evangelists he is put before him. It follows, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who is called Zelotes. Gloss, because in truth he was of Cana in Galilee, which is interpreted zeal, and this is added to distinguish him from Simon Peter. It follows, Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. Augustine, with respect to the name of Judas, the brother of James, Luke seems to differ from Matthew, who calls him Thaddeus. But what's prevented a man from being called by two or three names? Judas the traitor is chosen, not unwillingly but knowingly, for Christ had indeed taken to himself the weakness of man, and therefore refused not even this share of human infirmity he was willing to be betrayed by his own disciple, that thou, when betrayed by thy friend, mayest bear calmly thy mistaken judgment, thy kindness thrown away. Bede, but in a mystical sense, the mountain on which our Lord chose his disciples represents the loftiness of justice in which they were instructed, in which they were to preach to others. So also the law was given on a mountain. Cyril, but if we may learn the interpretation of the apostles' names, know that Peter means loosening or knowing, Andrew, glorious power or answering, but James, apostle of grief, John, the grace of the Lord, Matthew, given, Philip, large mouth, or the orifice of a torch, Bartholomew, the son of him who lets down water, 
Thomas de Portuin, James the son of Alpheus, supplanter of the step of life, Judas confession, Simon obedience. Verses 17 through 19. And he came down with them and stood in the plain, and the company of his disciples, and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem, and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and healed them all. Cyril. When the ordination of the apostles was accomplished, and great numbers were collected together from the country of Judea, and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, who were idolaters, he gave the apostles their commission to be teachers of the whole world, that they might recall the Jews from the bondage of the law, but the worshippers of devils from their Gentile errors to the knowledge of truth. Hence it is said, And he came down with them, and stood in the plain, and a great multitude from Judea and the sea coast, etc. Bede. By the sea coast he does not refer to the neighboring sea of Galilee, because this would not be accounted wonderful. But it is so called from the great sea, and therein also Tyre and Sidon may be comprehended, of which it follows both of Tyre and Sidon. And these states, being Gentile, are purposely named here to indicate how great was the fame and power of the Savior, which had brought even the citizens of the coast to receive his healing and teaching. Hence it follows, which came to hear him. Theophylact, that is, for the cure of their souls, and that they might be healed of their diseases, that is, for the cure of their bodies. Cyril, but after that the high priest had made publicly known his choice of apostles, he did many and great miracles, that the Jews and Gentiles who had assembled might know that these were invested by Christ with the dignity of the apostleship, and that he himself was not as another man, but rather was God, as being the incarnate word. Hence it follows, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him. For Christ did not receive virtue from others, but since he was by nature God, sending out his own virtue upon the sick, he healed them all. Ambrose, but observe all things carefully, how he both descends with his apostles and descends to the multitude. For how could the multitude see Christ but in a lowly place? It follows him not to the lofty places, it ascends not the heights. Lastly, when he descends, he finds the sick, for in the high places there can be no sick. Bede, you will scarcely find anywhere that the multitudes follow our Lord to the higher places, or that a sick person is healed on a mountain. But having quenched the fever of lust and lit the torch of knowledge, each man approaches by degrees to the height of the virtues. But the multitudes which are able to touch the Lord are healed by the virtue of that touch, as formerly the leper is cleansed when our Lord touched him. The touch of the Savior, then, is the work of salvation, whom to touch is to believe on him, and to be touched is to be healed by his precious gifts. Verses 20 through 23. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. 
Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leave for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Cyril. After the ordination of the apostles, the Savior directed his disciples to the newness of the evangelical life. Ambrose, but being about to utter his divine oracles, he begins to rise higher, although he stood in a low place. Yet, as it is said, he lifted up his eyes. What is lifting up the eyes but to disclose a more hidden light? Bede, and although he speaks in a general way to all, yet more especially he lifts up his eyes on his disciples, for it follows on his disciples that to those who receive the word, listening attentively with the heart, he might reveal more fully the light of its deep meaning. Ambrose. Now Luke mentions only four blessings, but Matthew eight. But in those eight are contained these four, and these four those eight. For the one has embraced, as it were, the four cardinal virtues. The other has revealed in those eight the mystical number. For as the eighth is the accomplishment of our hope, so is the eighth also the completion of the virtues. But each evangelist has placed the blessings of poverty first, for it is the first in order, and the purest, as it were, of the virtues. For he who has despised the world shall reap an eternal reward. Now can anyone obtain the reward of the heavenly kingdom, who, overcome by the desires of the world, has no power of escape from them? Hence it follows, he said, Blessed are the poor. Cyril. In the Gospel according to St. Matthew it is said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, that we should understand the poor in spirit to be one of a modest and somewhat depressed mind. Hence our Savior says, Learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. But Luke says, Blessed are the poor, without the addition of spirit, calling those poor who despise riches. For it became those who were to preach the doctrines of the saving gospel to have no covetousness, but their affections set upon higher things. Basil, but not everyone oppressed with poverty is blessed, but he who has preferred the commandment of Christ to worldly riches. For many are poor in their possessions, yet most covetous in their disposition. These poverty does not save, but their affections condemn. For nothing involuntarily deserves a blessing, because all virtue is characterized by the freedom of will. Blessed, then, is the poor man as being the disciple of Christ, who endured poverty for us. For the Lord himself has fulfilled every work which leads to happiness, leaving himself an example for us to follow. Eusebius. But when the celestial kingdom is considered in the many gradations of its blessings, the first step in the scale belongs to those who by divine instinct embrace poverty. Such did he make those who first became his disciples. Therefore he says in their person, For yours is the kingdom of heaven, as pointedly addressing himself to those present, upon whom also he lifted up his eyes. Cyril, after having commanded them to embrace poverty, he then crowns with honor those things which follow from poverty, 
It is the lot of those who embrace poverty to be in want of the necessaries of life, and scarcely to be able to get food. He does not then permit his disciples to be faint-hearted on this account, but says, Blessed are ye who hunger now. Bead. That is, blessed are ye who chasten your body and subject it to bondage, who in hunger and thirst give heed to the word, for then shall ye receive the fullness of heavenly joys. Gregory Nazianzas. But in a deeper sense, as they who partake of bodily food vary their appetites according to the nature of the things to be eaten, so also in the food of the soul. By some, indeed, that is desired which depends upon the opinion of men, by others that which is essentially and of its own nature good. Hence, according to Matthew, men are blessed to account righteousness in the place of food and drink. By righteousness I mean not a particular, but a universal virtue, which he who hungers after is said to be blessed. Bede, plainly instructing us that we ought never to account ourselves sufficiently righteous, but always desire a daily increase in righteousness, to the perfect fullness of which the psalmist shows us, that we cannot arrive in this world, but in the world to come. I shall be satisfied when thy glory shall be made manifest. Hence it follows, for ye shall be filled. Gregory Nazianzus. For to those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, he promises abundance of the things they desire. For none of the pleasures which are sought in this life can satisfy those who pursue them. But the pursuit of virtue alone is followed by that reward, which implants a joy in the soul that never faileth. Chrysostom. But poverty is followed not only by a want of those things which bring delight, but also by a dejected look. Because of sorrow, hence it follows, blessed are ye that weep. He blesses those who weep, not those who merely drop tears from their eyes. For this is common to the believing and unbelieving, when sorrow befalls them. But rather he calls those blessed who shun a careless life, mixed up with sin and devoted to carnal pleasures, and refuse enjoyments, almost weeping from their hatred of all worldly things. Chrysostom, but godly sorrow is a great thing, and it worketh repentance to salvation. Hence St. Paul, when he had no feelings of his own to weep for, mourned for those of others. Such grief is the source of gladness, as it follows, for ye shall laugh. For if we do no good to those for whom we weep, we do good to ourselves. For he who thus weeps for the sins of others will not let his own go unwept for, but the rather he will not easily fall into sin. Let us not be ever relaxing ourselves in the short life, lest we sigh in that which is eternal. Let us not seek delights from which flow lamentation and much sorrow, but let us be saddened with sorrow, which brings forth pardon. We often find the Lord sorrowing, never laughing. Basil, but he promises laughing to those who weep, not indeed the voice of laughter from the mouth, but a gladness pure and unmixed with aught of sorrow. Bede, he then who, on account of the riches of the inheritance of Christ, for the bread of eternal life, for the hope of heavenly joys, desires to suffer weeping, hunger, and poverty, is blessed. But much more blessed is he who does not shrink to maintain these virtues in adversity. Hence it follows, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, for although men hate with their wicked hearts, they cannot injure the heart that is beloved by Christ. It follows, and when they shall separate you. 
Let them separate and expel you from the synagogue. Christ finds you out and strengthens you. It follows and shall reproach you. Let them reproach the name of the crucified. He himself raises together with him those that have died with him and makes them sit in heavenly places. It follows and cast out your name as evil. Here he means the name of Christian, by which Jews and Gentiles, as far as they were able, was frequently erased from memory and cast out by men, when there was no cause for hatred, but the Son of Man, for, in truth, they who believe on the name of Christ wished to be called after his name. Therefore he teaches that they are to be persecuted by men, but are to be blessed beyond men, as it follows, Rejoice ye in that day, and weep for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Chrysostom, great and little, are measured by the dignity of the speaker. Let us inquire, then, who promised the great reward. If indeed a prophet or an apostle, little had been in his estimation great. But now it is the Lord in whose hands are eternal treasures and riches surpassing man's conception, who has promised great reward. Basil, again, great has sometimes a positive signification, as the heaven is great and the earth is great, but sometimes it has relation to something else, as a great ox or a great horse, on comparing two things of like manner. I think, then, that great reward will be laid up for those who suffer reproach for Christ's sake, not as in comparison with those things in our power, but as being in itself great because given by God. Damascene, those things which may be measured or numbered or used definitely, but that which from a certain excellence surpasses all measure and number, we call great and much indefinitely, as when we say that great is the long-suffering of God. Eusebius, he then fortifies his disciples against the attacks of their adversaries, which they were about to suffer as they preached through the whole world adding, for in like manner did their fathers to their prophets. Ambrose, for the Jews persecuted the prophets even to death. Bede, they who speak the truth commonly suffer persecution, yet the ancient prophets did not therefore, from fear of persecution, turn away from preaching the truth. Ambrose, in that he says, Blessed are the poor, thou hast temperance, which abstains from sin, tramples upon the world, seeks not vain delights. And blessed are they that hunger, thou hast righteousness, for he who hungers suffers together with the hungry, and by suffering together with him gives to him, by giving becomes righteous, and his righteousness abideth forever. And blessed are they that weep now, thou hast prudence, which is to weep for the things of time, and to seek those which are eternal. And blessed are ye when men hate you, thou hast fortitude not that which deserves hatred for crime, but which suffers persecution for faith. For so thou wilt attain to the crown of suffering, if thou slightest the favor of men, and seekest that which is from God. Temperance, therefore, brings with it a pure heart, righteousness, mercy, prudence, peace, fortitude, meekness. The virtues are so joined and linked to one another that he who has one seems to have many, and the saints have each one especially virtue, but the more abundant virtue has the richer reward. What hospitality in Abraham, what humility 
but because he excelled in faith, he gained the preeminence above all others. To every one there are many rewards, because many incentives to virtue, but that which is most abundant in a good action has the most exceeding reward. End of chapter 6, verses 12 through 23.